0: Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother!
1: Welcome, friends, to episode one one seven of Color Magic or Magic and Gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers of all types, at and away from their gaming tables and their computers. As always, I'm your host, Daquan Watson, and for 117 episodes, a dude that's managed to put up with me, heck, even before we started the show, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Allen is still here riding shotgun. How's it going, man? Uh, going pretty good. No no major complaints. Y'all managed to get any cold weather finally? Yeah, it's
0: uh, it's been, uh, we had a couple of days of cold, so, so far, so good. Nothing
1: is, haven't lost power or anything. Well, that's good. I mean, we actually already had our, I guess we want to call it our snow. So it was gone before a week, and we're kind of back to normal already up here. So getting to enjoy normal winter now. So it's kind of nice. It, it was good to have snow, though, just to like, you got to look out the window and look at it on Christmas. <laughs> and then, you know, three, four days later, it's like, okay, we've had enough. And then yeah. it rains and the snow goes away. <laughs> I like that's that That's how a lot. you do it, basically. Yep, that's the way I want it. So, before we get down to things, we want to remind everybody to check out our show sponsor, Cardsphere.com. They are a great place to buy and sell cards at the price you want. And you know, it's a great way to even fill out decks. When there's cards you're looking for, but maybe your budget's a little tight, you can go in and say, like, you know what? I only have the budget. Maybe I can only pay like 70% of the going rate or 80% of the going rate for a card. And then before you know it, boom, you have a notice somebody's sending you a card. It's nice and simple. I've even used it recently to finish off a sliver deck. So that was pretty cool. I just had some credit on the site. So I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and get the last few cards I need. Matter of fact, I think the last one's going to show up in the mail today. And then it'll be complete. So not only do they sponsor the show, I actually use their service. So like legit, go check them out. And they support a lot of people, a lot of magic community out in the world. So go ahead and support people that support the people you like. It's one of the things you do. It's like it's almost like shopping local online. <laughs> and also, if you'd like to support the show, go check out patreon.com/slash color magic. We really appreciate every single one of you that have come on board, and including our newest patron, Salazar Raz, which is awesome. Cool last name. So thank you for coming on and supporting the show. Also, if you're at our five dollar level or higher, you are guaranteed to be in the giveaways every month. And we have two giveaway winners for this month in Oliver Faust which is awesome because that sounds like a supervillain name. And Jeff Stumpo. So y'all can expect something to mail probably within the next two weeks showing up a little gift package from us. So there you go. And then last but not least, if you want to get something for yourself and still support the show, check out colorofmtg.com slash shop. We can go get some playmats and tokens with our likenesses and logos and stuff. So if you want to represent while you're playing your games and support the show, we'd appreciate it. All right. All that being said, it's rant time. <laughs> so today in the soapbox, this one's a little bit, man. What's the word? Uh, frustrating, maybe. But anyway, for those of you that don't know, maybe for those of you that don't follow Twitter, there was this. Uh, tw- there's trends like you see on every social media site and the trend this week was sharing this post that basically said like comment if you want to collaborate retweet if you think i'm hot uh, like this for whatever the other thing was right and i when i posted mine i basically told people i said i'm open to collaborate but understand three things like you should either bring an idea of something you want to do Or know something that we can bring value to each other's content. Or be open to a deep discussion on trying something new. Right? Just so we're doing something worth collaborating on. And I got a barrage of DMs. And I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. But most of them were just like, Oh, we should battle against each other sometime. Or some variation of that. And honestly... And I won't even say it's just magic. I've seen it with just gaming creators as a whole. That's just like the most uninspired thing you could do with another creator. Like, I even asked people, I'm like, even in my streams this week, I've been like, hey, like, do, what do you all enjoy about seeing people play each other? And a bunch of people were just like, eh, it's kind of neat, but nobody seemed like excited about it even. So it's not even like you have all these people saying like, hey, let's do this thing. Now, don't get me wrong. If you were two big creators, you know, like w- with the CGB and, and Crokey's thing, they played it up for like two weeks and, you know, they made promo videos that they were going to go against each other. All right, so they turned it into a spectacle. And that makes a little more sense. But if you're trying to grow your channel and you're just trying to work with somebody bigger or whatever, what are you getting out of that opportunity you know, like, what are you doing? Like my, like you, you're getting somebody else who already also has a busy schedule and the best thing you can come up with to showcase something on your channel or their channel for that matter. Cause I always tell people, if you're the smaller channel or stream or whatever, the smaller creator audience understand what you're bringing to that other person's content, right? If you're just bringing somebody else to play against you ain't bringing anything to my content. I'm not bringing anything to anybody else's content by just bring. like, and I get it. People say, oh, well you could showcase your personality while you're playing. No, but the problem is you end up with viewers who now have to try to pay attention to the game and the actions or whatever, while also trying to listen to the conversation of two different people and whatever. And it's just not the same. And I get wanting to do the thing like hot ones, right? Where you get a celebrity to come on and you have the hot ones as the vehicle Or whatever, but the reality is, it's take a bite, react to the hot sauce, have a couple of minutes of interview question or whatever, right? Then we we repeat. You take a bite of the chicken, you react to the hot sauce. There's another thing. It's not what like we're doing the equivalent of asking them questions while they're shoving a whole chicken wing in their face. Like that just doesn't come off. Like I've I've done it with somebody. I've seen it done, even on non magic stuff. Like I just don't get it. And I tell people like when when I worked with a professor. I literally spent a couple days, a week, two weeks at a time going like, okay, hey, here's things we could talk about. Have you ever covered these topics? Let's do this. Oh, I could bring something really cool to this conversation. Boom. And then we did a couple of videos that to this day, I think are very good conversational content. Right. Same thing when I worked with Gavin on Good Morning Magic. We had a good conversation about like old school stuff and magic that a lot of people can't talk about. Right. Because they didn't live through that. Like there's just, you know, even on CGB thing, I was on a stream and I was the guest host to help do deck doctoring, right? So his viewers got a different perspective. And then I took some of the decks we worked on and I played them on my content over the next couple of weeks, right? So we both got to turn that into content, doing something extra, but don't get me wrong. I don't hate playing games with people. I I enjoy playing games with people, but if you're going to invite me on to just like, oh, let's just go play commander. Like, that's cool. We can play commander, but that's not really a collaboration. That's just having me on to play games with you. Like, we're not deep diving into any topic. Your viewers aren't really getting to know a lot more about me. Like, we don't my viewers don't find out anything about you. Like, we just played a game, and then that's just not going to have an impact on anybody later. And don't worry, not every piece of content has to be this great piece of evergreen intelligence or whatever, right? But if you're getting a rare opportunity, utilize it. Like, think about how can I showcase myself in a way that I can make people interested in what I do, right? Like, whether that's talking about your background, your experiences, what you do on your channel, why you approach content the way you do. Maybe you've also been a fan of that person and you just want to talk about your admiration for them and how they inspired you or whatever it is. But like, because here's the other thing, right? And I've thought about this for real, seriously, but it's like, Let's say you invite me onto your channel, right? Cause that's, that's the bit, especially if you're the smaller channel, right? You get a bigger shout out. Let, let me come over. Let me see if I can bring my audience, whatever. But if I beat you on your turf, what does that do? Right. Does that devalue your content? Does that make me look like a bully because I went and beat up somebody who don't even have an audience and you know, whatever I'm viewed as a better player or whatever, even though I'm a has-been really. But like, if you come on my show and then you beat me, does that devalue my content? or whatever. Like what I don't even know what the end good end result is of either person winning. Like that that's the thing. I don't know what we're even trying to achieve by doing it. It just feels to me like the laziest form, most uninspired form. I don't think it's lazy. Uninspired I think is the word. It's the most uninspired form of interaction you can do for a quote unquote collaboration. I don't know. I would just like I don't think I got but one creative, different offer. And it was somebody saying, hey, we could talk about these things. And I was like, cool, let's have this conversation. And to be honest, I'll probably still get with some of these other people and play with them or whatever. It's fine. But it's just not inspiring. It's not exciting. It's not different. It's not new. Even when I worked with with Dev over at SBMTG, we didn't just get on and play games against each other. You know what? We did Okay. We have different perspectives. Let's talk about what we each think are the sleeper cards out of this set or whatever, right? And that was fun for people to see, like, different cards and we, we talked about what we did and didn't like about each other's picks or whatever and that was a different conversation and that was fun. Like, let's do stuff like that. Like, as a viewer, I don't even know, like, just seeing two people play, like, it's fun for the moment, but then afterwards, like, nobody's re-watching that video. There's nothing to gain from it. Like, Probably doesn't even hit SEO marks to get recommended to people other than just having the two different creators names in the title. So it's like, what are we doing? But I don't know. Like I said, I just saw a lot of collaborative opportunities out there. And it was uh, even on uh, just open Twitter responses, seeing people just all wanting to just play against each other. And all I could think was all y'all are just missing opportunities. I give all these people that are going to take time out of their schedule, plan stuff, put stuff on their calendar, and then you're literally just going to fire up Arena or Magic Online or whatever and then just play against each other while chit-chatting and then call that the collaborative effort. Like, we're creative folks. We're a bunch of nerds and geeks. Like, I know people can do better. But honestly, I see that and I'm not any more inspired to watch anybody's content just because you're going to play with somebody else. Now, playing together? and maybe analyzing your play on a recent video or working through some ladder games together and your audience getting to see how you each would approach different strategic situations or like totally a thing you could do. And then that has some extra value. Right. And the other person is getting to showcase their personality and their thoughts and their skill or whatever. And like, okay, cool. That has more value than just playing against each other. But I mean, to each their own. I like, I don't think my way is the perfect way it's just sad to see so many creative and interesting people do the most uninspired thing they could do when they get to work with somebody. All right, I'm done. I'm going to step down. I'm going to clear the way. I'm going to hand things over to you here, Brian.
0: All right. It appears uh, Dr. Oz is running for Senate in Pennsylvania, even though he may not actually Live in Pennsylvania, but this is just the celebrity politician thing. Feels like it's getting way out of hand. And of course, if he ends up winning, can President Oz be be too far behind? Because you would, I mean, he would definitely jump probably to the front of the party if he wins in a high profile state like Pennsylvania. So, it, uh, <laughs>
1: it's just wait, wait, wait. This, so you're talking about the dude that was on Oprah show or whatever, Doctor Oz. Yeah, that Doctor Oz. And he's not even from Pennsylvania, but he's running for Pennsylvania Senate or whatever. Yeah. And it seems
0: like his whole campaign is, you know, the pandemic has been mismanaged. I could have done it better. And I mean, I think at one point, whatever state he does live in was trying to take away his medical license because he barely practices anymore. He's too busy doing talk shows. Yeah. But uh, there's sadly, uh, there's probably no reason that this can't happen. We seem to love elected celebrities in this country, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary.
1: Here's my thing: like, I uh, part of me doesn't even give a damn. He's a celebrity, but like, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't know of a thing, and he probably has done some, but I don't know of a thing where he's been like this big philanthropic whatever at his level so like what makes me even want to put him up as a celebrity I mean at least if somebody wanted to like I don't know vote for Shaq at least I'm like Shaq just bought like what a thousand PS5s or whatever it was for just like kids who couldn't afford them or whatever you know like at least he's out here doing things like I, I don't I don't Dr. Oz
0: told you, you could cure cancer with elderberries
1: you know if people, if people think that's good
0: well, yeah.
1: That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm like, I can't think of a thing he's even done to really help people or do anything for communities or whatever that makes me want to even vote for him. That's the only problem I have. Like, it's so weird. I don't like. Here's the thing. Like, and and I'm with you. I think this whole situation's crazy. But like, it's tough to see people say like, well, we don't want the establishment. We don't want this. We don't want that. But then you're like, but this celebrity. <laughs> right? like, yeah he <laughs> understands my values yeah like these are all people who like we said off camera like it, it, these people are getting invited to $2,000 and $5,000 a plate charity dinners or whatever right they, they live in gated communities with extra security and they have PR people and whatever like they don't live like you you know who I want go ahead
0: it's just bizarre. I remember covering a Steve Forbes rally and and talking to a guy. And trying, okay, what, what did, did he say? That, that, that's so motivating. And the guy's like, Steve Forbes speaks to the voice of the common man. He
1: speaks to you and me. And I'm looking at this
0: guy. Did you hear the same speech I just
1: heard? Yeah, like that doesn't even. It's like a topic, like a few years back when Gary Johnson ran for office, people said, well, why would you want to vote for a guy like that? Because he's a libertarian. I was like, I don't even care that he's a libertarian. Like what I cared about is he actually had real life experiences. It's a dude who had to struggle to get a part time job to put himself through college. Right. He knows the cost of that. He's been to public school. He's been through a divorce. He's run a small business. Right. He's done all these things that an average normal person would have done. It's the same reason when I look at AOC where it's like she's been a waitress, she's done some streaming stuff, like you know, she's she's done the basic normal human things. Those are people I want in office. Like when you talk about people who relate to me cuz I'm not going to agree with anybody's politics up and down. All right. That I'm I'm not a one value voter or whatever you call it, right? That's not my thing. Like I just understand there's going to be gray area with everybody you put in there. But let's get people who have actual relatable backgrounds. Like it's crazy to look in in our public offices and you have swaths of people who are making rules about your kids at public schools and yet they themselves nor their children have ever been to a public school. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like it's crazy. Sadly that that appears to be where we are right now. Yeah, I don't I don't get it, but hey Go get it, Oz. If you can get people to vote for you, hell. And I mean, I, and I don't feel this way just about him
0: because he's not, you know, politically lively. I'm talking. About I don't want the Rock to be president. I don't want Oprah to be president. I want my, my president to be somebody that's you know been a senator or at least a mayor or something. Somebody that that has at least had to balance a budget for a large entity before.
1: I mean, to be fair, Oprah owns a lot of stuff.
0: I guess i should say a large civic entity as opposed to a corporation because they're way different. You know, yeah, corporation doesn't have to corporation doesn't have to operate parks. Corporation don't, don't have to figure out how to get ambulances to and fro. Running a city is different than running a business, which the multiple billionaires are running for president fail to understand a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, I don't even know, man. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, is there a celebrity I would be okay with running for? I don't know. It, it, it would really have to. I like I said, I'm more lately. I'm looking more at backgrounds and stuff. So I'm to the there's po- probably I, I don't somebody. Think,
0: I don't think president should be your first job in politics. To me, you got to at least be a, like a mayor of a large city. A senator, something that shows, you know, you have some ability to to work in the political realm. Because, again, you can be the greatest businessman in the world. But at the end of the day, what you want to do with your company,
1: you, whatever you want to do is pretty much what you get to do. <laughs> Politics is completely different. Oh, I, I'm with you as far as that. But I'm also willing at this point to take a chance. Like, I I understand we've done it away for a while, but I'm like, hey, if you can get me somebody that at least is proven that they at least are surrounding themselves with the right people and doing all these things. Like I'll take a chance, but I don't know if we have anybody I'm comfortable taking that chance with right now, but like I'm willing to, if you can put somebody in front of me, but I, again, I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know who that would even be right now. Right. So I don't know. The, the, the people we mentioned, like how could it be
0: the rock or Oprah? They've been busy making movies and talk shows. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, sadly, I would take them over a lot of actual politicians right now. But
0: that's certainly to some extent
1: is true. Yeah, that's the sad part because I'm going like, oof. I even, even, even Democrats. There are several. I would take those two over. <laughs> so I don't know, man. That's a tough one, though. But yeah, weird too that he's running for a state he doesn't even live in. So that's also awkward. But yeah, all right. Well, let's get to some more uh, fun and interesting discussion because it's that time of the week where we get to talk about all the fun stuff we learned last week, Brian. So what did you learn?
0: Okay, there's a kind of bizarre situation that could unfold in the NFL this weekend where if the, apparently if the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Annapolis Colts, which admittedly is a long shot, but that means that the two teams left of the Raiders and the Chargers could continually get into the playoffs with a tie. There would be, be no reason for them to play the game to its logical conclusion. Which, of course, all the commercials for the game, because I think it's going to be, if not the last game, it may be the last televised game. Or, like, oh, it's going to be a playoff game. It's going to be incredible. These teams are fighting for their playoff lives. It could be the exact opposite. It could be two teams just taking knees until the game's over. I, I don't even know. I've never seen anybody purposely play for a tie before, so I don't know how they would even go about doing it.
1: Well, here's the thing. Like, I, I got some people riled up on Twitter this week talking about this because my thing, I like, I'm I'm rooting to see the weird situation. Oh, right? I am too. I so, want to see it happen. So, I want there to be a close game where the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Colts by like a field goal in the last like five seconds or something, right? I, I want to see that type of game, just so the last game of the season, literally the Sunday night game with the Chargers and the Raiders, creates all kinds of chaos that we get to watch unfold because it never I happens.
0: Want the chaos. I absolutely want the chaos, as wrong as it is.
1: Well, here's the thing, right? We've And you've been a sports fan for years, right? There have been tons of scenarios through sports where, like, if these two teams tie, all these weird tiebreaker situations come yeah. into effect for teams above and below them, and people get higher seeds or lower seeds or in and out of the playoffs, whatever. I can't think of a time where it's literally been the last game of the last week of the season that both of those teams get into the playoffs if they tie. Yeah, I don't remember this, and I've been covering and
0: watching sports for 20-some-odd years now.
1: Yeah, that is phenomenal. And the reason I think it's interesting as a gamer is game theory says – you should do the thing that gets you the best positive reward. Right. And in this case, a win gets you basically the same thing as a tie. But a loss is disastrous. So both teams, according to game theory, are benefited to just tie. Because even if they win, they're not going to finish significantly higher in the standings to get a significantly weaker team or anything. So you're not really changing your outcome by even winning you're just literally playing to not lose (laughs) not even not even to win you're playing to not lose like so yeah you're better off just taking the tie which is crazy I don't know how they physically do it. Do
0: they just both go out there and kneel down a bunch of times? I again I've never seen anybody start the game going for the tie. I've seen teams are like, okay, you know, we don't wanna we don't wanna throw interceptions, so we'll go to overtime tie. But I've never seen anybody start the game with the agreement. Hey, let's tie this bad boy.
1: <laughs> but well here's the thing for me, right? Like you also have the concern of injury and whatever. And like that's going to be really unfortunate if somebody gets hurt especially a quarterback or your star running back or somebody right gets hurt when you could have just taken a tie and got the same result, right? That's going to suck for somebody. And you know, injuries can happen any which way. Like you just come right. down wrong on your knee and tear an ACL or whatever. So that's a little bit frustrating.
0: You could be like Martini Grammatica jumping around, celebrating your field goal and pull
1: something. <laughs> and And here's the bad part. Like, I don't put any of this on the teams. I don't put any of this on the players. I don't put any of this on the coaches. To me, this is a failing of the person at the NFL head offices that finalized the schedule. Because they do this thing called flex scheduling. And I believe starting after like week eight or week 10, they can adjust which schedule or which games are going to happen on TV and even move some in time slot. Based on what they think is going to be better for viewers or the fans or whatever, because some teams are out of contention or playing badly or whatever. At that point, you got to make changes. So whoever flexed that schedule didn't even account for this scenario. So, like, in some, fairness, I
0: don't think it's ever happened
1: before. So you can
0: understand how they wouldn't account for it. I
1: agree. But it's somebody's job to know that whether they're using algorithmic stuff in a computer or whatever. Like, you probably don't want that to be your last game of the season. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't... That may be
0: the only game they had. Well, of course, it's just hard to tell because there is a whole bunch of. They've even got the guy, you know, that does the magic wall for elections on NBC now doing football magic walls. That's how crazy it is.
1: Oh sure, <laughs> but you could have you could have had LA and San Francisco, like they're both playing for for playoff spots. You know, the Rams and the and the the Niners. Like you could have had Arizona, Seattle. It's a division game, and Arizona needs to get a win to keep their better spot in the playoffs or whatever right that's a thing so like there was a few things you you could have put there that would have still been okay over this so here's the thing though I I I, want to see the chaos I want to watch the world burn well that's the thing I don't even think it's like bad chaos I just want to see the unique weird thing happen that never happens Because think about even in magic, we've had people complain for years, like, well, why are draws legal and this, that and the other? And it's like, well, how do you really stop people from having a draw if they want it to be a draw? Right. You know what I mean? If it strategically makes sense to draw, then they're going to. Why wouldn't they? This is kind of the same thing. And people were complaining on my Twitter about, wow, you're just rigging it against other teams. It's like, there's no rigging. They're doing it openly and publicly. Yeah, Like, it's not secret. We have different, different definitions of rigging because there's nothing being secretive. This isn't benefiting somebody and not the other. Like, this is strictly, hell, to be honest, if the Steelers wouldn't have stumbled against the damn Lions, who are terrible this year and had a tie, that would have changed this whole picture
0: yeah it's
1: just unfortunate right there so it's like even that could have affected things right so it's Pittsburgh's fault yeah it's a tan away it kind of is so what I think should happen is this like both teams call the league office let once you see the results of of the Colts game right because if the Colts win then it's, it's an irrelevant thing this game has to be played winners in, losers out but if Jacksonville wins Now it's the two owners call each other and be like, hey, look, you want a tie? I'll take a tie. Let's call the head office. And then just tell them, like, hey, we're just going to take a tie here. Like, y'all just got to be mad about it.
0: And, or what, and now, or what if they don't agree? Also, what if one of the coaches is like, "No, it's not how I was raised. I'm not doing it." Then, then the game gets played. That's it, right? If teams I don't, don't know, agree, I mean, the different. owner
1: might weigh in and be like, "No, nah, I think you want a tie." There's all kinds of ways. yeah, really but, that's not, but at the end of the day, the teams figure out if they're in or not on a tie. That's all. Like if they now, if they agree, here's what I would do as the owner of the NFL or the the whatever the president. I would go ahead and just say, look, one, the NFL has literally billions of dollars. So I would just say, cool, here's what we're going to do. Y'all are going to play, but we're going to go ahead and pay the playoff game bonus for every player on whatever team doesn't make the playoffs. So minimum, nobody's missing that extra game check, that extra bonus for making the playoffs, whatever. So you make it less of an issue. Overall, because let's be honest, I don't think anybody's gonna put money on the Raiders to make the, the Super Bowl. Oh <laughs> now do you do you have you met gamblers? Well that's I'm, true.
0: I'm gonna guess there's probably a hundred to one odds of that. Yeah, somebody put that down.
1: Now the Chargers, maybe. Like I, I think there's at least a reasonable argument to be made for the Chargers. But Raiders, probably not. But You ever way, placed
0: that one dollar bet on the team? It's like three hundred to one.
1: Well, yeah. If, it's, if you're getting those kind of, odds, sure, go for it. Just put twenty bucks down and see what happens. But realistically, I think that would be a reasonable solution. And just say, cool, we still get a ball game, it's still a game on television. Fans still get something. the The losing team doesn't feel robbed or whatever. Seems like a reasonable solution for everybody, because otherwise. I'd rather just see him take a tie, and then it's just like a Pro Bowl game. <laughs> right? Guys just get there having fun. Like, every dude who's got contract incentives, they're like, oh, this dude needs five more tackles? Cool, he can just play the whole game. I don't care if he is a second-string player. Five more tackles gets this dude like half a million dollars? Get your butt in there, right? This is your chance, right? If you get down to the last three, four minutes, and there's a linebacker that's like, damn, I need one more sack to get my my contract bonus cool line just opens up let the quarterback just take a soft tackle or whatever i don't care i think that would be great to watch like and it would give people a chance of like because there'd be a lot of explanation from the guys like well why are they even doing this and then you have the announcers have say like well this dude just needed one more sack to get his bonus and the other team's just being kind to him or whatever you know like i'd love to see that i know people would hate it there's people who would Oh, like, yeah, you think people they're, are they're still the
0: division team? rivals. I don't know that they would do that.
1: Yeah. You think people hate the NFL now <laughs> like, people would hate, but I don't even know, man. It's really like, I get that people are mad. Like you want to see them compete because that's what you pay for. That's what you're there for. That's what you saved up all week. You took time off in your evening to watch this ball game. I get it. But as a competitor, their job is, is to get to the next level, to get to the playoffs, to get to a Super Bowl. So for me to expect them to do something that's against their best interests just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I just can't. You know, it's it's hard. I I can't. I can't. I get it. I get what people want, and I totally understand that perspective. But, man, like. I, like I said, I'm going to go for, back and look
0: at your Twitter thread now.
1: Yeah. Playing for a win just doesn't benefit them. Like there's more risk to playing the game than there, a significant risk to playing the game than just taking a tie.
0: Probably the most risk of any pro sport talking about pro football.
1: Yeah. So it's a weird thing. Now, again, the only thing that makes Jacksonville even a remote possibility To beat the Colts. Because Jacksonville is a dumpster fire right now. Like, hell, they even just got rid of their coach and all that mess that went down or whatever. They oddly, for whatever reason, have beaten the Colts every single time the Colts have played in Jacksonville since 2014. No idea how that's even possible. Well, you know, the other
0: thing that could happen, the great equalizer for everything now is COVID. There could be a COVID outbreak on the Colts and they had to go out there missing because their quarterback, I think, was in COVID protocol last week. So they've
1: been exposed. Oh, that's also true. I didn't even think about that. COVID does kind of throw a wrench in this whole thing, right? So,
0: so let's say like we, we, we're taping this on Wednesday. Let's say Thursday or Friday, they get a three, two or three COVID cases that don't have time to test out by Saturday. It's anybody's ball game at that point.
1: Yeah, that's a that is a good point. Oh, I didn't even think about that, yeah, cause
0: there's been a couple of games the past a couple of weeks where' like people didn't have <laughs> we we're, we're, we're trying to lobby the league, hey, do we have to play this? NFL's like, yeah, we're trying to stay on schedule.
1: You gotta play this <laughs> mm, that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough, the only good news for the NFL is that Jacksonville, Indianapolis game is the early game. So and you have a few hours, a three or four hour window to kind of get your ducks in a row for that late game, whatever everybody agrees on.
0: I would love to be a fly on the wall for some of the phone calls. I don't think it's going to happen. I really think the Colts
1: are going to win. And then it's just like, okay, now they have to play because it's a win and end thing. But man, I want to. I'm so curious how this would resolve. And the bad part is if it doesn't happen this week, it may never happen again. I mean, To my knowledge, as far as I could find, this hasn't happened at all, ever. So, this might be a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see how this weirdness plays out.
0: Because I guess you need one of the other teams to tie during the regular season, and that doesn't even happen that often.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a way that you could do it without another tie existing, but it's also complicated. So, yeah, it's it's interesting though. It's, It's definitely a good talking point. Like, it's one of the most weird things I know of that's ever happened in sports from a competitive perspective. Now, the thing I wanted to touch on, you know, because we've we've talked on the show, we're both wrestling fans, and AEW has been kind of the up-and-comer, right? The trendy thing that everybody's into, and they're re-signing, for lack of a better term, all the WWE cast-offs that are still popular. And... There's been this thing I've kind of touched on a few times anyway that as much as they have touted and and this has come up before like last summer where people were saying like, "Oh, well, AEW is a much more diverse community. They've got, you know, their their employees and and talent base is more diverse." And you know, and don't get me wrong, they've they've featured like a trans person and a bunch of other things like they they really are trying, right? So, good on them. But I also had the conversation of, but how many times are they truly showcasing the non-white superstars? Right. And I went back and looked like on their pay-per-views, I believe they had Eddie Kingston, who's Puerto Rican. And I think he's been the only male or the only the only non-white male probably featured in a main event in a singles match. I think there were some because you have the members of uh, uh, what you call it, Jericho's group or whatever. That
0: yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like Sammy Guevara has been probably somewhere near in, the main event
1: in the street fight and stuff. Yes, in <laughs> in the big like, uh, what you call stable on stable stuff, but not a singles main event. And then they've had one or like he's been in one or two things defending his title whatever in a pay per view, but not in the main event. And then for the women, I believe we've had one black woman. And that was it. Now, they do have some Asian women that have been featured a few times. But this all comes up because it became pretty public because Big Swole left the company. who was a black woman. She she left the company, I want to say, a couple months ago, largely because of injuries and other things had piled up a little bit. And she had some uh, medical thing. But she also talked about how as much as she enjoyed her time there, like she didn't feel like the black talent was getting featured or promoted or pushed as much. And honestly, I don't think she's wrong. I mean, being real about it. Like if you go look, you have people like Scorpio Sky and some of these others, but they were kind of were featured on AEW Dark and then they got moved to Dynamite and, you know, they're part of some stable and don't even get a main event match or whatever. And definitely haven't been heavily featured on the big pay-per-views and stuff. And I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon because you're also hiring, you know, if you look at all their recent signings, right? It's been Brian Danielson. It's been uh, my uh, Cole, you know, CM Punk, you know, like all these dudes that happen to be just middle-aged white dudes, right? Nothing wrong with it. They're great superstars over there. They're, They're fantastic on the microphone. They're good wrestlers. But... When you look at each and, you know, and I get it, people say, well, you got to have the talent. They got to be ready. Okay, sure. But part of that is also developing and building that talent to do the thing where well, you're not going to be able to, when you got to feature all these other guys in these main events that you keep signing. And, you know, you look at WWE, who obviously has had Bobby Lashley, you've had Big E, you know, these guys have been champions, you know, obviously the new day, you know, whatever being featured regularly in main events on TV You know, Xavier Woods has gotten even a match with Roman Reigns. You know, whatever. Hell, Impact. Like, Moose was the champ for a while. that That dude's doing his thing over there, right? They got a couple of people that are showing out over there. Hell, even in NXT, you've got a couple of dudes that are carrying title belts and stuff. So, it's a little tough, right? So, I get where she's coming from. I don't think she's... And now, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's like AEW's actively pushing down the talent. I just think they're focusing more on the easy, promotable talent and they're not putting the other people up. That's all. But it got a little bad (laughs) when Tony Khan, the head of AEW, eh, he kind of messed up on Twitter. (laughs) Now I don't know if you saw this, Brian, but he decided he was going to get on and be like, well, no, AEW isn't racist company. Two of the people at the top happen to be, Indian background and blah 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 and whatever and it's just like oh dude you shouldn't have said nothing and then even after that statement he followed up with well we had to release Big Swole because we didn't believe her wrestling or her skills were up to par or whatever and it was like oh damn broke loose after that because everybody's like Big Swole was fine everybody liked watching her wrestle or whatever so it was like oh crap Tony should have set up <laughs> and it also came off a little tone deaf because it's like it wasn't just about non-whites it was particularly she was saying being a black person you weren't getting featured you know and and don't me wrong i think tony Khan's doing a lot of good things so i don't want this to be like a bash tk thing i just think it's one of those moments where like uh you probably should have slowed down a second don't hit sin talk to your pr person you know like like you shouldn't be shouldn't be just responding quick response to something like that right you need to take another second to think about it so that created a bunch of mess on social media for a couple of days. But, you know, when we talked about it with folks, I said, "Think of, hell, here's the other thing that got me. And this is, this is, to me, one of the more telling things that does feel kind of bad. That you see all this new talent getting signed over the last few months. So even recently, it's like they got Bobby Fish and Gargano and these other guys, right? And they all get heralded and they all get these warm welcomes and all this stuff. You got Jay Lethal who by the way, those of you who don't watch Jay Lethal, this dude is entertaining as hell. Easily marketable. The dude has been a champion in Impact. He's been a champion in Ring of Honor. So the dude's got credentials and people support the hell out of him. They signed him recently. uh, I think after the fallout from Ring of Honor that's regrouping post-COVID or whatever. And then he gets a match to challenge Sammy Guevara for his title or whatever. And then he comes in and takes a loss. And it's like, but none of the other people you've signed recently have taken any
0: losses. Of course, I sh- th- there are some allegations against Jay Lethal, too. Uh, that, I'm sure. assuming that probably factors into it.
1: Sure. But I'm just saying, like if you're talking about talent to build up and people you're going to sign, I mean, because let's be honest, there's been stuff with some of the other people they have signed as well. <laughs> I'm, tr- who, I'm trying to think who else has
0: sexual assault allegations currently. Uh, I don't have sexual assault
1: because I know like there's been s- some different public issues with CM Punk and stuff, but I don't think it's. Been yeah, sexual but assault. I don't think
0: there's anything as bad as what's hanging over Jay Lethal's head currently.
1: Sure. But I'm just saying, like, if that's the case, why'd you sign him? I think it broke like right as all that stuff <laughs> was happening. Because that would be my thing. Like, if I thought that was a thing, I'm just not putting you on TV. But yeah, it's interesting that, you know, that's the one you signed and then, you know, He's the one that takes a loss. They kinda, may be doing
0: their due diligence right now, find out what the I guess yeah. doing an investigation of some kind.
1: But I mean, you gotta you gotta work on that on that front. That's that's kind of my only real thing there. It's just like I get where Big Swole was coming from, but man, TK handled that very wrong. <laughs> like I can only imagine that was a nightmare for his PR people for a yeah. couple of days on social media. Just, just don't, man. Just don't. And then it's gonna look bad if she does end up going to something like impact or WWE or whatever and performing well, like that's not going to go well either. I don't know if she will. Cause like I said, I think she still had some medical stuff she's working through, but we'll see.
0: She probably be going to WWE. Cause they're in the process of firing more people. Well, that's also true.
1: And but don't get me wrong. I'm not here to bash AEW either. I think they do have good product. I mean, there's some things I like, don't like whatever, like everybody, if anything, the thing about AEW is about to happen here in the next 10 or 12 months is they're about to start releasing people because their roster is starting to get bloated for what they're doing. So that'll be talking points too, but we'll cover that on a later show for now. Let's get into some other, uh, interesting news topics, if you will. Now, one of the things I'm going to bring up is this one's more on me a little bit, uh, because one of the things I like to do when I'm creating my content, especially for YouTube, as if I'm using somebody else's ideas, or I'm citing somebody else's article or whatever, I try to at least show some love to them, right? Put a link in the description, tell people about the other person's channel, whatever. Well, this week, I had a video go up where I had worked on a decklist with somebody, and I'm and I'm not going to publicly shame the person or whatever. We've already talked about this. But the, I, it was similar to somebody else's decklist, which I didn't know at the time, but they were sharing ideas and whatever. And then it turns out some of the ideas they took were specifically from somebody else's video, which in and of itself isn't a gigantic deal because it's magic. There's decklist, whatever. Right. But I still wanted to be able to give credit where it's due if ideas came from somewhere else. Well, I didn't find this out until after it already posted the video and it's already been up for a couple hours. And like, I can't, Go you, because of the way YouTube works, you can't just go like edit the video and put it back up. Right. You have to do a whole new load and whatever. And it's like, it's just a mess. So I did my due diligence. You know, I put a thing in the description, tell everybody what happened. I posted on Twitter. I posted on Facebook. I put it in a Facebook group, whatever. So hopefully drove some traffic over to the other creator. But I was more bothered that like, hey, look, if you are and this is just a general PSA. If you are going to do any work for somebody or you're using any ideas and any of this stuff is going to be public, at least let the person know. Right. So and I don't care if they're writing an article, if they're shooting a thing for a movie, if they're making a YouTube video, if they're doing something on a podcast, whatever, at least give them a chance to cite the source. Because that was my biggest gripe. Like, I don't even care. Like, I'll openly say, like, yeah, this person had this deck list up or, hey, I got this deck list from somebody on a stream or whatever, cool, I don't have a problem with that, but at least give me the chance to give that person credit. That's what I was bothered by. And I think that's a thing people just don't think about. Yeah. You know, because these other people are putting in time and they're doing real work and research or whatever to make whatever content it is they're making. Let's try to make sure everybody gets proper credit. I mean, I know you know all about that from being a writer. Yeah. And that's the thing I think, as you said, I think most people
0: just don't think
1: that way. Yeah, it's tough. Like, everybody's out there trying to make a buck. They're all putting in their work, their research, whatever. Just give us a chance to properly cite each other and send traffic each way. Like, there's enough people on the Internet. I'm not worried about sending a few bodies somewhere to go give a few clicks and high fives and praise them or whatever. But I'd at least like to if they helped do something that makes my content better. I think that's the the least I could do, you know, so. Anyway, it seems like everything's all good. It's not a huge deal. I don't even know if the person really knows, but it just bothered me that I didn't even get the opportunity. And now it might look bad on me to some people, some number of folks, you know what I mean? So it's like, there's a lot that comes with that. And that's why generally I only watch a handful of other creators that are doing deck lists and stuff. I generally, I watch a lot of non-gameplay content a lot of the time. You know, Or if somebody that does, I know is known for gameplay content, but they have a cool video that's not gameplay, I'll tend to watch that more often than not. It's kind of like, you know, if you work at Wizards and you're in R&D, they pretty much don't look at anything that talks about making cards. Like, they'll even tell you, like, if they see a poster, or anything, they just skip over it. Like, legally, you don't want to know about any of that. So you can't accidentally steal an idea or anything in, in that line of thought. Like, you Understandable. Just, you just don't tempt yourself by staying away from it. So maybe that's where that mentality of mine comes from. But that that really bugged me. So I just wanted to put that out to people that, hey, understand that if you are participating in a project or creation of a thing, it's okay to borrow ideas from other places. Just let the people you're working with know. (laughs) That's it. And then leave it to them how they want to cite it, you know, credit people or whatever. But at least give them that opportunity first. So I kind of wanted to mention it because this is a weird thing that seems like it had been taking off since November, but just sort of became a hot thing in the magic community or in the gaming circles, really, with nerds, which is funny, because you would have thought nerds would have found this first. But I guess it floated around with, like, uh, I guess the older community and people like doing crossword puzzles and stuff and sort of made its way to the rest of us gamers. But it's been around for a few months, but somewhere around uh, November, They created an API for this that allowed people to start sharing their results on Twitter. And what we're talking about is a game called Wordle. W-O-R-D-L-E. And it's basically, like, some version of Wordle had existed for years. So it's not like the game itself is new. But they found a way to gamify it, sort of, and make it interactive with social media. And that's been the real key to this game, I think. But basically what it is, is you have six attempts to guess the five letter word and you put in your word and it'll tell you either your letter is correct or your letter is correct and in the wrong spot. So over five or six guesses, you get to, as you guess different words, learn what letters are in the word or not, or if they're in the right position. And then you try to guess it before you get to the the last option, right? Well, the cool part is they made it to where you can share your results on social media, but it just shows the grid and where you were correct or not. It doesn't put in the letters. So you can kind of share your results. I'm like, oh, I did it in four guesses or, oh, man, look at this weird path I took to, to get to the word or whatever. And everybody gets the same word. So the re- website just refreshes every day and everybody plays with the same word. So it's kind of interesting. And what I find amusing is people have kept secrecy around the words every day. Like, hell, there's people that wanted to spoil Spider-Man on day one. And you got literally, you know, what I'm assuming is at least hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people playing this game. And nobody's out here just busting the words every day. So good on humanity for once. But yeah, I don't know. Have you had a chance to play Wordle Brian? I have not played it yet. I've seen it everywhere and just haven't dove in yet. You know, I think it's a good brain teaser type exercise. You know, I don't think it's like... Like I said, it's not really original. I just think the way they have kind of, uh, I don't know, structured it in a way as far as how it works with social media, having the daily refresh and all that, I think has really lended itself to being a social media craze. The funny thing, though, is I don't even know how they're making money on it or if they are, because the website has no ads. It's very bare bones. I have to assume when you're getting that many hits and people say, like that's got to be millions of hits coming on the site every day, like so I can't be cheap. Like I, I don't, I don't know what the end around is on it. You know what I mean?
0: Like I'm, the, I'm thinking there's, there'll be ads soon, surely.
1: Yeah, they're, well, they're already on day two hundred or two hundred one, so that's at least six months worth of things they've been putting up. So I would assume by now you would decide if you wanted to monetize it or not. So I don't know. But I I think it's a neat way to show that you can take an old idea, but if you make it work for modern interaction and modern society, like you can turn it into a really cool thing. Because like I said, I feel like versions of this have existed before and there's been free apps you could play on your phone or whatever that were similar. But this is the first time somebody found a way to work it into social media and have it be a daily conversation with people all working toward the same word. And, you know, really smartly done, to be honest. like So often people are like, oh, I have to think of something new. And I have just like, no, you, sometimes you can do the old thing in a very new way and that's going to be the ticket. You know, I think people forget that sometimes. I mean, think about how many things we own or have bought for our bathrooms, our kitchens or whatever. Like, So many of those things aren't new. They're just like, oh, a better way to store this thing. (laughs) Hell, I bought a new uh, 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 dish mat to have next to the the sink for just like small things. You don't have to like put in the dishwasher or whatever. And it's made from uh, diatomaceous earth, which, you know, the stuff you normally use to keep like bugs away or whatever. Like apparently you can have it in stone form and it's perfect and it dries quickly or whatever. And there's a company that makes a whole bunch of stuff out of that. It's just a dish mat, but it's freaking brilliant. (laughs) And you don't have water everywhere or whatever, because whatever. But they're making a mint redoing bath mats and different things or whatever. They're not making brand new things. They just found another thing that went, hey, this is a better material to make this other thing out of. We should just do that. And they're probably making tens of millions now. So, yeah, maybe this is mostly a story of. Don't necessarily try to make new things. Sometimes try to make old things better. <laughs> I think because hell, that's a large chunk of what Shark Tank is, right? You know, think about that. That uh was that the scrub daddy, whatever that thing is, the little sponge with the smiley face. I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> oh, about. yeah, go look I it know. up. Go look it up right now. Go look up a, the, the a scrub, scrub daddy. daddy. It's a it's a round scrubbing sponge that apparently can do rough. I'm gonna make sure it. safe search
0: is her dog, because otherwise, I well, could yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you don't want that.
1: But yeah, it's it was on like season or one of the early seasons, like season three or four, maybe of Shark Tank. And I've it, never heard
0: of this before now.
1: And uh, Lori, the lady that owns QFC or QFC uh, QVC, she ended up signing a deal with them. And They sold some absurd amount. The dude has made okay. like fifty million dollars or something between Scrub Daddies and related products since then. And literally it's a sponge. Like, literally, it's a sponge that has, you know, the ability, like I said, to be rough or soft or whatever. It's got some some friction to it. But that's literally it. He made a a new kitchen sponge.
0: Well, yeah, like you said, something that everybody has in their kitchen. He just found a way to make it better. Yeah. Like, and imagine
1: that. Like this dude literally went in front of millionaires, one being a billionaire to try to get somebody to buy into him doing, selling a sponge. And he did the full on like infomercial thing too. I remember watching it. Like he had a, a dirty like oven top and he was showing like, well, you can scrub this, but then you can also scrub this. And then if you get it cold, you could do this. And if it's warm, you know, like, whatever, he did that whole thing. And now the dude's like a multimillionaire. So you didn't make a brand new thing. He <laughs> just made an whole thing better. So sometimes that's just the answer. But yeah wordle you should check it out it's actually cool it's a good daily exercise if you want to do it for your mind and uh it's free that's the other thing i don't know if they have any type of app or anything but it is web-based if you look it up now this next piece of news comes kind of relates back to when we talked about uh content changing you know and people not doing as much coverage well, this week we got news that Cedric Phillips and Patrick Sullivan are going to be leaving Star City Games, and they were kind of the we'll call them the the A team for coverage. You know, they were they were kind of the the OGs of the Star City coverage. I heard Everybody somebody really refer
0: to them as the Madden
1: and Summerall of Magic coverage. In some ways, yeah, in some ways, and. The only thing we got out of them really is, uh, you know, Cedric's going to be moving to Utah where Patrick already lives because they've been friends forever and they want to work on some future projects. So, you know, credit to both of them. I hope they actually get a lot of support in whatever the new thing is that they do. I'm sure they will. Because they're both very smart people, like very creative, very good folks. The one thing we did get it at, though, is Cedric did mention that he had talks with Star City and the direction they want to go for content and coverage is going to be different than it existed in the past. and. He wasn't signing on for that and he figured it was time to move on for, for new projects. Which in and of itself is fine. I don't think anything's wrong with that. People go different directions all the time. Totally okay. But it did raise the question of what does that mean? You know, like what Well, I mean, we've
0: already seen a couple of events now with with basically no coverage.
1: So Yeah, like I can't imagine that no coverage is the future. Like I, I don't think that's correct, because I feel, because I feel like even if because if you didn't, whoever does your social media or whatever, is just going to be miserable every weekend you do do an event, because everybody's going to be asking for results, everybody's going to ask for coverage. Why aren't you showcasing this? Blah 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 blah. Right? And there is some marketing aspect to that, especially for people that because all the Star City events are Midwest and eastward, right? So if you want to keep having any type of sales, interest, whatever further west, you kind of have to have coverage or they're never going to interact with your events. So, I don't know.
0: But, I mean, so far the the people showed up for these events
1: previously that had no coverage, right? (laughs) Well, that's only been two so far. And one was one you had to qualify for. So, I mean, one you had to qualify for and the other was literally like the only event that happened last year of any significant size. (laughs) So, eh, we can't really use those as test cases just yet. You know what I mean? Uh,
0: well, it's not looking like COVID's not. It look like it's in the near future, getting
1: any better. So, <laughs> yeah that that is that's a whole other ball game too. Like, how long are we going to be living with like the peak issues of COVID? Like, I, none of us know that answer.
0: So you figure we're not going to probably just rack up a whole bunch
1: of events in twenty twenty two.
0: Is looking well, like that's the thing
1: they did already announce three of what they're calling SCG cons happening in February, in March, and in April in Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, and Dallas. So they have plans to still do events already, despite COVID and Omicron and whatever else is happening, the flu-rona or whatever, because that's a yeah. thing. We finally got somebody who got both the flu and corona at the same time. So oh, that's, wow. that's a thing. Uh,
0: the, I don't even know I if that person's do- going to survive. I can't even imagine how miserable that would be.
1: Yeah, I, that you have to, even if you don't die, you're going to feel like you're on death's doorstep for probably a yeah. couple of months. That's got to be gross. But yeah, so these events are still going to happen. I don't know what this looks like for coverage or no coverage or whatever. Now, I will say this. They have talked about making these SDG cons. It means there's probably going to be artist stuff There's going to be. Probably some different format things. Some of them they've already talked about. There'll be probably, I'm guessing, maybe a flesh and blood thing and some magic stuff. There'll be commander stuff. What if, and this is just me speculating, by the way, so I know nothing. I just want to preface this as like, this isn't me saying like I have an inside thing or whatever. But what if they decide they want more sideline reporting more than booth reporters? Right. Where you have somebody going like, hey, let's follow what's going on at the commander tables for an hour or whatever. And we talk about different decks we see and, you know, cool things people have in commander decks or whatever. And maybe we have somebody going, "Okay, cool, let's go see what artists are at the event and what they have for sale or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Right. Because you're trying to make it more about an event other than just the tournament that's going on. And then maybe you come back to the tournament enough every hour to say, like, hey, here are the results for this round. You can see on this thing. And maybe you do a. You know, once you get past round four or five where you start getting into like win and end type situation for people, you feature a couple of those in your coverage or something. Maybe that's what we're going to. But like, I I don't know. Like to me, that, that at least seems reasonable that that could be a thing because then you're selling the hype of the game and you're showing off a bunch of other stuff that aren't necessarily just competitive cards and competitive things. But I don't know. But I could, could see be. how I could see how if I was Cedric and Patrick that. You kind of be like, eh, so you really just want me around to be on coverage for like four rounds? And like, okay, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, that's probably not going to be as exciting for them. Especially if they're not into, I don't know, Canadian Highlander and Commander and Popper and all these other formats. Like, that's probably not going to get them going. But who knows? Maybe there's a whole different, more creative plan, too. Maybe they just decided they want to feature more people. Maybe it's getting the people they have already that do their videos for them to also appear on their coverage so you're drawing more views to those videos throughout the week because that, that's familiar a possibility also right there, there's a bunch of things it could be I mean you know I've sat and thought about it like what does that mean what direction could they be going but there's so many I don't think it does us any good to truly just like oh I bet this is going to happen well, Yeah, we'll see in a couple months I'm sure I mean hell we may see in February if there's coverage or not <laughs> I don't know Uh, But yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about because they've been doing coverage for a very, very long time.
0: It's the end of an era, one way or the other.
1: Yeah, definitely so. And then this was kind of, I guess we want to call it breaking news this morning. But Chris Cox, the current president, I think is the official title, or chief operating officer of their Magic and... I believe it's digital games division. I'm going to say that with a question mark is now in line to be the new CEO for Hasbro to follow in the footsteps of Brian Goldner, who we mentioned, I believe passed back in October. I think yeah, is when we talked about so. it. And uh, people feel kind of some, some way about this partly because with this, there was also news that Wizards of the coast coast had crossed the one billion dollar in sales marks last year. and to me that the money part doesn't even seem like news. Like we already knew they did about a hundred uh, eight hundred and fifty million the year before, like yeah, so it yeah, that's you're a already, natural evolution exactly. You're already eighty percent of the way there. like so for them to find another one hundred and fifty million, like that's reasonable. They've had other years in the past where they've gone up a hundred million in sales, so. Not a shocker. Plus, we've been talking on the show about as much as people say, like, oh, money, this and game stores and blah, blah. Like, none of that's true. Like, game stores, gaming companies are all making a bunch of money right now. So, or I say a lot of them are. Um, There's always some that aren't. But, you know, generally speaking, the industry is doing very well. So, and collectibles as a whole. Hell, I just watched a thing the other day where Panini has these cases that literally are like small metal suitcases that have, I think, three cards and one pack of all, like, you know, autographed, game-used jersey, whatever stuff. And those things are, like, thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, one of them, I think, was selling for, like, 10K or something. Like, so when people talk about, like, Magic having their high-end packs or cards, where I'm like, man, y'all don't know nothing. <laughs> like, for real. Like, go look them up. I, they're, they're Panini. They all have, like, names, like, Panini Flawless or whatever, and they make them for different, but it's like flawless, and uh, what are the other, there's some other ones that they called them, I can't remember, but yeah, go look that stuff up, it's, it's insane how much some of this stuff is worth, like Immaculate, I think is another one they had, they all have crazy names so they could sell them, but even at retail to get some of those, I think they have a UFC one, it's called like UFC Immaculate, and UFC is not even like a top collectible thing, and those are still like $2,000 for one of the little tins or whatever of the cards. Like, it's bananas. So, you know, when we see, like, a $100 pack for Magic, people lost their minds. And I was like, man, y'all have no idea how crazy things could get. But anyway, trying to stay on topic here. The thing is, like, people kind of said, like, you know, well, should he be the one? Does it make sense? Is this good or bad for Magic? If you're in the, I don't know, I guess the executive committee seat or whoever's got to vote for this, the board members or whatever. Look at all of different Hasbro brands over the last five years. And Wizards of the Coast is probably going to be the one that consistently increased. Yeah. You know, every year, despite the pandemic or whatever, consistently increased. They even said some of their other brands lost as much as like 12 to 15 percent last year. And Magic was one of the ones that still pushed through, still gained, still did its thing. Hell, if these numbers are correct, that means they gained at least what? What's that? Another 150. So another like 15 ish percent or 20 percent last year. You know, like 18%, something like that. So they, they still did their thing. So good on them, right? I think that helps. But also we've talked about a lot of the stuff Wizards has been through the last few years. From issues with their artists to racial issues they've had to deal with and how they handled that. Like, There's been a lot of stuff. And whether we agree good or bad on how they handled it, you're at least putting somebody in there who's already dealt with that stuff. I don't know if that's happened to the other executives or heads of the different departments or businesses or if they did it and they got through it well or not. But at some point, you know, if you're trying to vet people, you do kind of look and say like, well, this person has dealt with all these things already. So that does give them a little more experience and make them pretty good for this type of thing. Yeah, I mean, t-
0: 2020 was a crazy year for everybody, but it seemed like for Wizards, it was especially bonkers. And somehow yeah. they managed to get through that and with two straight years of record profits in a pandemic that continues
1: to drag on. Exactly. So, for better or worse, whether we agree or disagree with the outcome, like you, from a business perspective, I kind of get it. The other thing about Chris Cox, too, that I think people forget before he was at Wizards he worked for some of the like electronic kid toys brands and some of these other things. So he does have that experience with some of the other types of things that Hasbro also sells. So there, there are reasons it makes sense for him to be in that position. It's not like wizards has been the only high level job or the only executive job he's had or whatever, right? He's got a little bit of a pedigree that kind of supports that while also being in charge. And to be fair, some of the biggest profits they've had have been at Wizards while he was there. You know, like, coincidence or not, because of his timing, like at the end of the day, you you can only look back and say, well, this was a dude that was in charge. Right? So I get it. And I personally, I don't have a problem with him. I think he's been a kind of a cool dude with the interactions I've had with him. So yeah, I I think it's fine that he's getting the job. Now, as far as the numbers, I mean, people want to keep justifying, like, well, if Wizards is making this much money, why do they have to charge this and charge that? Like, that's how they got that much money, dog. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I get it. You you want the hobbies you participate in to be cheaper and whatever. Don't disagree with that at all. But when you're talking about businesses and capitalism or whatever, like, they're going to make their money. Like, that's just the way it is.
0: And part of the plan to helpfully, hopefully make it cheaper for the rest of us is for some people to, like you said, pay $500 for a backpack or
1: $100 for uh, master's or what have you. Well, yeah. And I think that's the other thing that people are going to miss in that number, right? They see that I buy cards, I play arena, I play Magic Online, whatever. Like my money went toward this $1 billion. But the reality is that includes all things where of the coast, including like D and D, you know, clothing, books, comics, whatever, all these things, right. That's where a big chunk of their money comes from too. Cause they have that. I mean, literally you, in the last couple of years, you've had companies with magic making watches, backpacks, statues, posters, leggings. So you can have like Liliana and and Chandra style leggings, They've got partnership deals with like MTG Pro Shop selling all types of shirts and things like all of that goes toward the bottom line. Now, each of those things might just be 100,000 here, a million here, whatever. But when you've got 30 or 40 of them, that adds up at the end of the year. You know, so, yes, a bunch of money came from us as card gamers, but there's also a lot of extra money they're getting from ancillary stuff, which is one of the things that. Chris Cox has promoted and pushed since he got there. So, well, why don't we have more, you know, phone apps that are just magic branded with different games? Because that's the thing. There's still the magic match three game and all this other stuff that's out there. Right. Like those are generating money that Wizards of the coast gets a part of, right. Even failed projects like the, uh, the online thing, the MMO or whatever we had a while back. Right. Like even though it failed, like some license and some agreement and some part of that money went to Wizards of the coast. So those things existing also are driving up the. Now, don't get me wrong. They made a lot of money off of card related stuff. Yeah. But let's also be aware that I know of way more people playing D&D than have ever played before. I mean, I mustn't see at least two or three feels like new web shows for D&D or people's YouTubes or streams playing D&D like every six or eight weeks come through my Twitter feed. So D&D also is contributing to these bottom line numbers for Wizards of the Coast. Like, they're hitting on all cylinders with everything right now. And not to mention, that still includes Betrayal House on the Hill and all the Avalon Hill games because they still own and make all those. There's tons of stuff like they
0: there's a Netflix show coming at some point.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that involves some amount of money.
0: Yeah, that money's probably already changed hands.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot here. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's easy to look and go like, ah, one billion dollars. They're milking us for everything. It's like, yeah, they're milking us for some of the money for sure. But there's a lot of different places that money's coming from. It's not just out of our card game or pockets. Let's let's slow our roll a second because it's easy to be offended by a number. You know, but when you look at brands, I mean, understand that they're not even making as much as the other top video game brands and stuff. Like, so as much as people want to talk about being milked or whatever, like we were talking about it before that Riot made, I believe, in 2020, $1.7 billion. So they've done almost double what was of the Coast. Well, if you include some amount of increase, they probably did do double what Wizards of the Coast did in 2021. Right. If you look at uh, Blizzard, Activision, I think their numbers said in 2020, they did over seven billion. So while Wizards of the Coast is big, it ain't that big compared to the other people in the entertainment space. But they're still crushing it. I mean, by far, you know, when you're talking about role playing games and card games or whatever, they're the gold standard right now, for sure. And, you know, credit to Chris Cox. I don't really, as a person, have anything bad to say about him with my interactions and what little bit I know about the other execs for some of the other brands at Hasbro. I don't know all of them, obviously, but like he would be reasonably or more qualified than the others I'm aware of. So seems like it's going to be a good choice for them. But then uh, we are running a little bit long, and this kind of brings us to the dinner table conversation for the day. And this is an interesting one I've seen come up in some different, I don't know, forms, I guess, if you will, some different phrasing. But as people have started going into the new year, they're trying to do better and be better about just expanding their reach, being more inclusive and diverse in their offerings. And one of the things that kind of comes up is how should someone go about increasing diversity in their play groups or their events or what have you? without coming off as pandering to those groups. And I don't know, I maybe want to use this as just like some type of suggestions, you know? And for me, it feels very easy. You know, don't just, I think, and we may have said this before on the show, but like, don't just invite people into your space. You know, don't leave it at like, be particular in inviting exactly them, right? Because it's a matter of like, uh, I know I'm allowed to go versus being this person particularly wants me here. And that that sounds like it's the same thing, but it is very different. As somebody just says like, well, you know, we're going to be doing a thing. You're welcome to join us. As opposed to, hey, it'd really be cool if you would come play with us on Saturday. You know what I mean? Those are two very different phrases that makes the person more interested in coming and interacting with you. I think also on some level, it is okay. And I know people are hearing this to be a little bit pandering to just say, look, I know we've done a crappy job. I went back and looked at our stuff from last year and it's all a bunch of like, I don't know, middle-aged white dudes you're one of the people I know in this space that I enjoy watching or I respect or whatever it is, compliment them to whatever you appreciate about their stuff and say, I would really like for you to be part of our stuff going forward. You know, I'd really like for you to come help MCR events or, you know, do this thing once a month on my YouTube channel or whatever it is. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like if you're admitting like, Hey, we're trying to do better. You're one of the few people I know in this space that do this thing. Well, I want to work with you i don't I don't think that's wrong, but I don't know like Brian, do you I have mean, any suggestions? I,
0: if it's honest, I don't feel like it's pandering if you have acknowledged that you like you said if you acknowledge that you have a problem and you're working on the problem,
1: maybe that's exactly it. Maybe that's it like if you were just admitting or even just being open about why, I think that's enough. I don't think you have to. I don't tiptoe through a thing and, you know, coddle somebody or whatever. Like, I'm fine. You know, and I've had people say that before. Just be like, dude, we have no color in any of our stuff. Like, I'm trying my best. Like, you're one of the few people I know in this space. Would you be willing to help us out? I'm like, cool. I got no problem with that. There's been an organization in the industry that just said, look, we're trying to come up with some varsity, diversity stuff or whatever. Like, would you be willing to work on some background rule set for us, right? Cause you're one of the people that would represent this group. And there's not many of you around like, cool. I got no problem with that. To me,
0: pandering has kind of the connotation, almost like you don't really want us there, but you, but you know, it looks bad. It is kind of the connotation that pandering
1: gives me. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're being genuine about it and being direct, I don't think there's a problem with it. Now, if you try to get that person involved in whatever the project is that you have or the gaming event or whatever, and then you largely ignore them and you're still showcasing the other people or whatever, then it's going to look like pandering. Because then it's like, OK, well, we invited, see, like we, we invited some in, see? And then you don't talk about them or showcase them the rest of the time. It's going to look real bad. You know, it's kind of like we were talking about AEW, right? Like, see, we have all these people, but then when it comes big money time, you're not showcasing them. So it's like that's sort of when it starts to feel that way, that, hey, they're here. See, it's like, OK, yeah. cool, they're here. But what are they doing? You know, right. Are they getting the same level of interactions, promotions, leads, whatever? Then you can say, OK, now I've invited, and I don't care if it's black people, if it's women, if it's trans folks, if it's whatever, right, like you, you don't just invite them in. You make them an active part of what you're doing. Otherwise there's no point. There's really not like, I mean, you'll get a few brownie points for a couple of days and make yourself feel good, but ultimately everybody's going to call you on it because at some point the people you're involving are going to look around and go, why am I even here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and and that's when it's going to start to get worse. So yeah, I I'm totally good with just, I think you're right, Brian. I think it's mostly just be upfront, honest and direct, and you'll probably get less crap for it. And then once they're there, just go ahead and make sure you're still actively involving them and showcasing them. And I don't I don't think it should be an issue. I just think it's cool that I've seen a lot of this conversation out early, you know, as people are making plans for stuff going into the year, especially with COVID and everything else. going, I think people are still trying to figure out how do I make this work in an online space? You know, I think that's still being explored for a lot of different things. But I don't know you have anything else to add to that, Brian? Ah uh, no i think we covered it cool well i want everybody where they can find you on social media when you're not doing this wonderful podcast
0: all right i am brian sonic on twitter youtube uh well i actually haven't changed the instagram it, it will be the instagram will be changed soon um alan our family channel on youtube is Alan's ever
1: after wait that's a brand change we got to make sure everybody knows about that like so we're we're no longer dl caesar we are no longer Caesar. Well, there you go. Everybody needs to know that. So if you see it around, that's your boy. Don't think it's somebody else impersonating Brian. That's actually him. <laughs> hey, we've seen uh, some things out there. I want to make some people know, I was just
0: going to say, who's
1: impersonating me? My God, that's frightening to think of. Dude, it's happened to all kinds of people. So yeah, just making sure people know. We got some new branding for our boy. Uh, I'm still the same if you want to find me. I'm at PowerDragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. Pretty much everywhere if you look me up on most socials and uh, hopefully have some really cool content coming with some other creators as I have been talking some things behind the scenes. So hopefully we can talk about that sometime by the end of the month. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. Please take care of yourself and your family with the flu and the Omicron and everything else out there. Get your shots, do whatever you got to do. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at colorofmtg. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.